All right. Good morning, everybody. It's good to be back up here. Oh, they give me 45 minutes to preach. Wow, that's generous. That's generous. <laughs> I know we got something afterwards. If I take 45 minutes, eh, that's nothing new. Ah, uh, but I don't actually anticipate that to happen. But I appreciate the counter because I know we've got business afterwards, and I want to respect everyone's time as well. But ultimately, we need to respect the Spirit's time. Communion is is such a wonderful thing, especially with what we're going to talk about, right? And it, it almost leads better in the sense of a broken body. Jesus' brokenness is so symbolic in so many ways. With his blood at the same time, allowing us to enter into unity under Christ, under God, restoring humanity and what it was. And as we discussed last week, division has been a part of humanity since sin has entered. It is also something that's beautifully held that we globally, not just here, but right now around this world, maybe at different hours and different moments, there are others who are doing this. We are unified with those who praise his name. and six livable continents, but we know there's scientists down there in the seventh continent, and there might be that one who has that faith, maybe not with others, but breaks at the same time, understanding they are part of a global church. We're unified within the history of the church, knowing Christ did it first. The apostles, others throughout the years, have done it. And as long as we are still here and the church still exists, it will continue for the years to come. It's a timeless unity. What we're going to be talking about today is that unity in many. If you need a title for, for this, it's unity in many. As we are going to be focusing in 1 Corinthians 12, specifically in 12 through 31, though that first part of verses in 12 I love to talk about, but it's not going to be our focus, though there may be some references to it. We're going to be talking about the body of Christ. What does that mean? What is a body? Excited to look that up real fast and Good old Webster Dictionary Online. How does Webster, and they got actually a lot of them. I'm not going to go through all of them, but maybe some of the ones that pertain to us. They say it's the main part of a body, a main part of a plant or an animal body, especially as distinguished from the limbs and the head. It's the main central and principal part. The organized physical substance of an animal or a plant, either living or dead. A mass of matter distinguished from other masses, a group of persons or things. These phrases are important because we can consider them in the body of Christ, going right where there. Jesus is the head and we are the body, unified by the mind of Christ. We are the central part to Christ's mission. 
Christ did his mission, now we are to carry that mission as the body. We are an organized system. We are to be distinct from others. As we discussed last week, the gospel is our foundation. And we are a group of people. And I know we have a four-legged friend here as well. It's part of our body. Though all these could make great sermons, today's focus will mainly be on that third definition. We are an organized system. You are not just some random people sitting here today. Though the concepts are simple to understand as we talk about being in the body of Christ, I find it the very struggle we face in church, especially in America where individualism is so fierce. Jesus states in Matthew 12, 25, a kingdom divided against itself is brought to desolation. Every house and city divided against itself will not stand. And I would say every church with the vision will not be the temple or the body of Christ for long. And so it has no place. So how do we stay unified? We talked about our foundational things. We talked about the world wisdom versus God's wisdom, what we're building, this temple of the Holy Spirit last week. But how does one stay in unity? What is paramount in these moments? And these, these verses in chapter 12 gives us insight. You'll see it. As we discuss, you have to see your own self-worth. You have to value others. You have to accept your appointment. And ultimately, in the base of it all, love. And so these are the things we're going to look over as we go. And so I'll go ahead and read chapter 12, verses 12 through 31. For just as a body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. For in one spirit we were all baptized into one body, Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and all were made to drink of one spirit. For the body does not consist of one member, but of many. If the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would be the sense of hearing? If the whole body were an ear, where would be the sense of smell? But as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them, as he chose. If all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, yet one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you. Nor again, the head to the feet, I have no need of you. On the contrary, the parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And on, and on those parts of the body that we think less honorable, we bestow the greater honor. And our unpresentable parts are treated with greater modesty, which our more presentable parts do not require. 
but God has so composed the body, giving greater honor to the part that lacked it. And there may be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another. If one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. Now, you are the body of Christ and individually members of it. And God has appointed in the church first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, and miracles, and gifts of healing, helping, administrating, and of various kinds of tongues. Are all apostles? Are all prophets? Are all teachers? Do all work miracles? Do all possess the gifts of healing? Do all speak with tongues? Do all interpret? But earnestly desire the higher gifts. And I'll show you still a more excellent way. This breaks up into these different things that I talked about. Self-worth, values, acceptance of your appointment, and love. And the first about nine verses, it's verses 12 through 20, we see this. Seeing your worth. If you remember back to last week, there was two things that we're dealing with in the church in Corinth. They had jealousy and strife. Welcome to Paul coming all the way back, all these chapters later, to this very fact of jealousy. Let's combat that together. He starts off by just stating this very fact. We are unified in the body of Christ. This is significant because it is an identity. I work with a lot of young people. It's the beauty of my job. I forget what the percentage is, but we are talking the 18 to 25-year-olds or something in that. That is my major range. That is a major bulk of military are going to be in those ranges. Sure, there's times in my job right now I might get a few 30-year-olds or thing, the people. I've even gotten a 40-year-old in my office before. God bless them through going that training at that age because I'm the same age, and I'm like, nope, don't want it. But one thing that is common one thing that I find that people struggle with when they say, am I worth this? Am I worthy of being in the military? Am I worthy to be an officer in the United States Navy? Am I worthy of what I'm to do? It comes down to really simple things. They have no idea who they are. They can't endure the struggles and the strains if they don't know the, who they are and why they are. So many, so many in this world struggle with that identity. So many have been told who they are by the world's wisdoms. You come from here, you look like this, you have this economic, you're this, that, this, this, and so many, and some even by those that are supposed to love them are told these negative things like you are worthless. You'll amount to nothing. That's a pipe dream. The words go on. You may have heard the saying. But you need to know who you are. And we need to know who you are. Because the reality is, you are a part of the body of Christ. You are redeemed. You are worthy. The Son of God 
came to this earth and died for you because he loved you. Because he said you were worthy. You were worth it all. The sacrifice. And you have a part. When you accept who Christ is, when he is your foundation, when the gospel is there, he says, you have a part in me. Because you're a part of my temple, my body. It's also significant because it also tells us who has the authority. We are a part of the body of Christ. We are connected by the mind of Christ. But Jesus is in charge. The moment one thinks they're in charge, they're quickly wrong. Doesn't mean people don't have authority. But the moment they think they have no authority above them, the moment they act as though there is no authority above them, or do not see the value of those around them, they have lost. They've lost sight of Jesus. This is also significant being unified in the body as there are many members because we are diverse. I talked about the global, but even here we are diverse. Some of you may have grown up on Cape Cod. How many are actually from grown up Cape Cod? Maybe 10%. <laughs> How many are from New England area? All right, we had a lot. We're not, okay, we, we're, getting, we're getting closer to like 50%. Okay, how many of you were born north of the Mason-Dixon line? Okay, now we're up about 50%. All right, how many of you are Southerners? Yeah, that's right, there's my three kids. How many of you were born west of the Mississippi? One, one. How many of you are not even originally American? Wow. More than the west of the Mississippi, just to let you all know. <laughs> that was actually, actually more than I think the Southerners. That is a good thing. It is a good thing. I love it. It shows the diversity. How many of you actually knew all that? Probably not many, right? And it is a good thing. It is significant for us to understand. It shows us how global we are and need to be. It doesn't mean that we, other communities don't have it. I get it. Cape Cod is a lot more international than most people would actually give it credit for. I know when I first was moving here, I'm like, there's a, a lot of these Brazilian churches up here. I, why are they here? Out of all the places I would think of Brazilian, I all right, let's do this. You know, I was like, okay, that was different. But we need that. We need that diversity. And even here, he makes a point of it, Paul does, right? In verse 13, for in one spirit, we are all baptized into one body, Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and all were made to drink of one spirit. Notice we just ate of the body, drank of a cup. But think about that. Think about in their time. Jews or Greeks, a.k.a. Gentiles. That's another translation for that word. There is no greater separation in the church of that day than those two groups right there. 
right? There could be Greeks or Gentiles coming in and they look to the Jews and say, wow. I mean, they were, they were part of Israel. They were a part of the original. I mean, they are part of a history of redemption that has happened since really Abraham. They're the reason Jesus, Jesus came through as a Jew. I mean, they, they should have all the knowledge. They understand the law. They have been taught these things. They've done their, their, their different things. I mean, if I came in as a Gentile or even when I came in as a young Christian, I would be like, wow, look at that. These people must know it all. I just have nothing to contribute. It's usually the feeling. Or think about this when he says free or slave. I mean, you're either a slave in that time or you're free. Another huge economic, so many different social dynamics, difference. Imagine being a slave amongst the free. In the same worship, in the same point, in the same reading. I mean, that's, that's unheard of. To sit in the same room, to, to partake in the same table of communion, to fellowship in the same way. A slave did not have that freedom. They were the scraps, treated less, in bondage to pay off a debt. Some for the rest of their lives. Here, Paul's like, there's no difference in the body of Christ. Your worth is not based off human wisdom, off human constructs. You're here because God placed you here. And we are all equals in Christ and we have all things to bring to this body. Today, I would imagine Paul would say, these same dynamics, poor, rich, edu educated, uneducated, whatever that really means, I get it. <laughs> There's those who have much education and we'll just say, we'll leave it there. Maybe it's white collar, blue collar, female or male. Maybe you're a boomer, Gen X, Millennial, what is Gen Z, Gen Alpha now? There are so many generations. Do you not notice in the world where everyone's like, our generation's the best. I have nothing to learn from the generation below or above. Here's one that might sting. Republican, Democrat. Moderates, all parties. There's plenty who think there are some not deserving to be in the body. All these are equal and a part of what God has placed. No one has a monopoly or a right to the body of Christ over the other. No one. And if you think you do, then Christ is not your head. Then you have limited Jesus dying for all and only dying for a select. That is not the gospel.
our foundation. Understanding this is vital because this is where you start seeing your worth in the body. We are all equal, no matter our background or our office. This is, again, a radical shift in that time and probably here as well. Because at the core, there's no difference between you and me. Doesn't matter my job. Cool. Right? I'm a chaplain in the United States Navy. I have a Master's of Divinity. I'm white. Last time I checked. From Michigan, though born in Tennessee, so I'm kind of mixed. I like my sweet tea and my snow. I'm male. Doesn't make me any more or less in the body of Christ. Doesn't give me a greater status, unless if you do it by your own human worth. And so we gotta stop comparing our worth and how we view others in human wisdom and see ourselves in God's wisdom. Because what we didn't read in chapter 12, verse 6 and 11, let me read those. And there are varieties of activities, but it is the same God who empowers them all in every one. Verse 11, and all of these are empowered by one and the same spirit who apportions to each one individually as the spirit wills. We are all empowered by the same spirit. That's what matters. You find your worth and your place in what God has created you to be. Because Christ died for all, not just a few. And if we were all the same, if we were all just an eye, We'd be a freak of nature. <laughs> if we were all a mouth, again, you can think about it. But don't be like someone else. Learn from them. Maybe there are things that you can figure out, but I had to learn through my midlife crisis and other things. I couldn't be in my own personal thing. I would look at other chaplains in the military and the Navy and be like, oh, I wish I was like them. Man, I wish I was like them. And I found out God's like, stop trying to be like them. You have a ministry. I have placed you where you are with your skills and your things to be where you are in those moments. I also learned from those friends are like, I wish I was like you too. I'm like, why? <laughs> right? We don't sometimes see our own self-worth, our own strengths, because a lot of people admire other people. We just don't see it all the time. So again, see your own self-worth. See the worth that God has placed in you, because he loved you to the very end. The next one is we have to value others. This is verses 21 through 26. This would be now Paul combining strife that we talked about. Basically, you got to put away your pride. Do not think that your position or placement of God makes you better than anyone. Right? I mean, he uses this imagery of imagine your eye, in a sense, discarding your hand or your foot or something. I mean, 
Imagine this right now. I mean, really try to get your brain to conceptualize your eye talking to your foot and say, I don't need you no more. <laughs> Boggling your mind right now, right? Like, what? What? I shut up. <laughs> I like to walk. <laughs> right? Like, I, I kind of like my foot. Uh, if I had or said, ah, hand, I don't need you. What? Yeah, yeah, I, I kind of like my hands. They're, they're important. Yet your mind can't comprehend that. If Jesus is the mind of us in control, right? The brain, as we've learned through the centuries, this is the amazement of wisdom that comes through the spirit sometimes, is how much our brain controls everything. That wasn't really discovered till the 16th century, by the way. CE or AD, however you want to say it. This was definitely written well before that. Your mind is sitting there saying, no. And if Jesus says, if, if that's the mind of Christ, and we're supposed to be all unified in the mind of Christ, Christ would be sitting there like, shut your mouth. I, I need that foot. Because if we don't have those feet, we ain't moving very far. We can't do a lot of work without our hands. We can't listen without those ears. We can't speak without our mouth. Great that you can see things coming, but I really like all five senses. I don't know how about you all, but I really do enjoy having all five senses. Yes, we can adapt and overcome without them, but that is not what the body of Christ is about. So often, you could probably think of that most invaluable piece of body. A lot of people will probably go to their pinky toe. It's good for finding Kurt, you know, the outside, like when you're walking around. Oh, God. All right. It gives you a lot of pain, except that without that pinky toe, it's part of a tripod on your foot. It's for balance and propulsion. That little guy, I don't know what your toenail looks like. I barely have to cut that thing ever because it probably breaks off all the time. But that little thing has so much power in our body. And so here, we must value everyone, especially those who may seem less significant. Actually, Paul says, bestow actually more honor and respect for those who seem to be less or in a lesser position. Being pastors, elders, teachers, these elevated positions that put us up in front here, a lot of people will give us thanks. Oh, great word. Don't stop the encouragement. Okay, I appreciate it. I know, I know, I know Ben appreciates it. Because we're placed in a place of honor by human wisdom. Me standing in front of you is humbling. But because I'm up here, there is a sense of automatic, because of our brains and how we work as humans, there's an automatic bestow of honor usually given to the person up front. It's cultural, but that's human wisdom. The key is you don't stop, right? You don't stop the encouragement to those up there, because it is hard to tell you the truth. 
I never wanted to be in these type of positions, if you were really honest with me growing up. I'm an introvert, y'all. This can get draining. This is, when I'm back in my chapel days, I was preaching every Sunday. My wife learned. So you're going to take an app day? Every single Sunday, there was an app after service. Because it's just one of those things. So don't stop the encouragement. But also don't stop the encouragement there either. There are others who should be encouraged even more so than myself. My first encouragement is no one walks out on me and the amens and the different things, being invited again. <laughs> but there are many who do so many things in the background where we don't see it. I remember working with a group when I was very in my 20s, working with people who were in their 60s, 70s, 80s, actually led their Bible study, kind of a humbling moment for myself. I'm like, I'm leading what? With who? These people probably have things for me to teach. But I remember listening to one lady, and this was in Cleveland, Tennessee, and one of her ministries she had was donated coats in her trunk. And she would drive around every winter, and if she saw someone without a coat, she would stop, open the trunk, and say, pick the one that you need that fits. I never heard about that being celebrated in the church. But boy, should that be celebrated. It's the small things. Because we have to celebrate everyone in their role. Showing value in others is vital to unity. Because otherwise division will come or people will leave. That's why Paul states, let me make sure I get it right, in verse 25, that there may be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another. Where it carries over, if one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. That's the same level of care. That's what that's talking about. And sadly, I've been in a church, and there's nothing I'm, I, I understand. This is the first time I had it over 20s, 50, 60, 70-year-olds who are elders in my church. I, was, I brought the mean age down in that church. My entire family brought that mean age down in that church. All right? We were the children's ministry with maybe one other kid. They weren't old enough to be the youth ministry. We had three that attended youth. I remember we had a member. She was elderly. Not quite, obviously, homebound. She didn't have a lot to go. She was literally the woman giving the two pence. She was on the Social Security. She wasn't technically allowed to give to the church. But any loose change she ever had every Sunday, she would drop in the offering plate. She would pray. I know she would pray. She was probably seen as a little out of it of sorts, not always relatable, hard to talk to. I actually gave her a rise to church because of 
no transportation. So I got to know her a little bit. Got to meet her husband one time who was bedridden and who eventually passed away. And she asked, what kind of support, what do we do as a church? And that was a great question because I had no idea. I was like, first of all, just know that if you need to use our building, if I need to be used in your services, there's no cost, right? There's, there should be no cost to you. But she asked, uh, is there food provided, different things of that nature? I'm like, great question. I don't want to financially commit to anything because we were not a financially stable church. And I went to the elders, asked them. They're like, no, we haven't done anything like that, or we, we don't have that kind of support right now. I'm like, okay. So I let her know, this is what we have. Months later, another member who hadn't been at a church passed away. I was there actually by the deathbed with a family. Most of the family hadn't attended a church for a while. Again, but one still did, and I said the same thing. Church doors are open, use our facility. If you need me, let me know, no cost. I'm not going to do cost to you. They didn't ask about the food thing or anything like that, which was fine. I go to this funeral, and afterwards I see this smorgasbord of food provided for the family. Now, granted, they were loving on them. I'm not taking away from that. Granted, there might have been that act of love saying, maybe we can get these people who have kind of gone astray back in the church. Let's show them love. That's all great and wonderful. But when you're a leader and a pastor... And you were just told by the same elder board that we don't do anything. And those same elders who probably were friends with some of them, and I'm not against that, go all out and provide. In that moment, there is such thing as holy wrath or anger. (laughs) My next elder meeting, I said, what was that? You told me this and then you all out went and did this this member that was looked less on gives like the woman this member prays for our church and for us and is faithful every Sunday and we came to you and asked and you said no and I stayed consistent but in this you did not because you showed favoritism. That is not the same level of care. Both were suffering. Will we suffer together? Will we care for them in the same level? It's important for us to realize that because we are all equal. We are all worthy of that love and no one here is more or less important than the other. We also have to remind that and value everybody here, no matter what they contribute or how insignificant we think they are or what they provide. God placed them here. Looks like I'll take the 45 minutes. Though these next two should go faster. 27 through 20 through 30 is pretty simple. We are a body with individual mem- members, right? This is healthy. We can't all be doing the same function. We can't all be a heart pumping the heart. Lungs breathing. Again, these are all in unison, all have functions and all have appointments 
we may think, well, you know, the heart and the lungs, they're, they're pretty high in the standard, right? We, we want those. Those are kind of important to life. My joints, well, they come important, but I can still live with some mobility issues, maybe a little bit, maybe not as much. But the reality is, is right, you get this kind of first apostle, second, sure. You, there might be a hierarchy of sorts, maybe. Do you think it really matters at this point from what I've said? Nope. Because they all have their function, right? If we were all apostles, these are the sent out ones. They planted churches. They're almost closer to missionaries, so to speak, in today's world and understanding. I, I kind of see it as that. Touching base with the different places. Maybe they planted churches. There for a, a, a period of time to help grow and mentor. Meant to allow them, but always would check in. If we were all apostles, where, where would our bodies be? Where, where would, imagine, imagine someone just planted here and we all became apostles. Okay, where would this building be? We wouldn't be sitting here doing this right now because you're all sent out somewhere else. Kind of ends this right here. We, okay, great. We're all sent out. Now we're all sent out commission wise. Please understand that. But when I talk sent out ones, that means I am leaving this church and going somewhere else. Right? There'll be no growth, depth, discipleship, no support for those missionaries. If we were all prophets, I'm not going to get into the office of the prophet right now, but would there be a lot of discipleship or encouragement? If we were all teachers, who would be the student? Imagine going to school. Everyone, teacher, 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 teacher. Who's the student? My kids don't go to school as teachers. Doesn't mean they don't have things to teach the teachers. But if they went in there and everyone was a teacher, who's educating who? If we all did miracles and healings, great. We should have those things. We need the power of God in there. If all we do is teach, 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 and do those things, then there's no power. I can tell you there's no reality for some people. Some of the very things that hold me to my faith are because of power, but at the same time, if all you were were those healing tent miracle workers, which have a place, and that's all we were, you start having no depth, no relationship, just power seekers. Tongues, now this is not the group individual prayer that we get baptized by the Spirit and have tongues. This is the gift of tongues. This is the ones. It's very different. I have given tongues before, and I can promise you it's very different in feeling and, and what is happening. But if all we did was give tongues with no interpretation, mass confusion. If we had just a bunch of interpreters, why? Right? I mean, no one right now is interpreting for me in this congregation. If you were sitting here as an interpreter, I really hope you have a function to interpret for someone. Otherwise, what's the point? What's important here is that we must accept our appointments and gifts of the Holy Spirit that the Spirit bestows upon us. Does it mean your roles can change? Absolutely. They are gifts given to who? 
God can work you through different offices or different times, or he may plant you in one for the rest of your life. I really don't care what he does, because that's God and you accepting where you are, the humility that comes with that, knowing your value and we valuing you. Because again, no one has a monopoly on them. But it all boils down to one very, very important thing. And it's the very last line, even though technically probably if you never divided this, it would probably be better fitted into verse into chapter 13. But I'm glad that whoever decided to split this thing up didn't. And the reality is it was never split up, right? Chapter verses didn't exist. This was one flowing thought. Those things can be our enemies. And Paul says, and I will show you a more excellent way and he leads right in to love unity requires love all this that we just talked about requires love do any of this without love and you're that monkey going that is what i like to picture christians without love just your wind-up monkey going, there's a lot of that out there. On the news, on the YouTube. It can in today's standard, yes. Love is key to everything we're talking about. Be an apostle without love and you're worthless. Prophesy without love and you're meaningless. Work miracles without love and you're shallow. Teach without love and you're unheard. You're never going to break through with people if you don't first have love. And everything we do, it better be love. And you better make sure love is always communicated. Because I can tell you, the posts and social media, the words spoken from pulpits, the protests the political bantering, a lot of it's not done in love. You can sense it. You can tell, especially if you're one that operates in it, one who's connected to the true love. If we are to succeed, everything we must do must be done in love. You must love yourself. You must love others. You have to love with what God gives you by appointment or by gifts. Love, 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 love. Gospel is really simply done in Jesus' words. He says either love your neighbors or love your enemies. Okay, yep, that's pretty simple. If you're part of this church, love one another. Prior to this church, love those outside of it. Prior to this church, love what other has to bring. Love what God has done with you and who you are. Because he died for you. He so loved the world, he sent his only son for you. And the moment this place is not a place of love, then we've lost. We'll lose many and we'll lose unity. Let us pray. Lord, again, we thank you for your word. We thank you for this moment we have. 
to hear your word. Holy Spirit, we are your temple, a temple built by a gospel of love. May love always permeate in our hearts. May we be able to love ourselves, seeing our values, seeing who we are, knowing that no matter who we are in this body, we are all equal, that we have worth. Even when we think it may be insignificant, Lord, we know that you give greater honor to it. Help us to love each other. Break down the lines that divide us, seeing that we are just brothers and sisters in Christ. And help us to love and appreciate where you have us right now. Maybe you have dreams and gifts in us that will come later, but Lord, help us to live and love in this present. Help us to accept this is where we are right now. It may not be like we've been used in the past, and it may not be what we are used to the future, but Lord, you have a purpose for each of us. You love us so much that you have given a purpose that we have a value, we have a why, we have a mission. And that mission may not be in these walls. That mission may be just loving those neighbors, those enemies, the co-workers we're with, the neighbors we're around, the random stranger that we can give a coat to, the hungry, the thirsty, the imprisoned, those who you identify with, those who need love the most, for the world's wisdom says they're unlovable but you say all are lovable. Help us show your love through the gospel, through who you are, because you loved us first. So as we prepare to move into this next phase, as we prepare for this business meeting, hearing the heart of this leadership, May you give us those wisdoms. Holy Spirit, may you take control of that moment. May your love permeate. May your wisdom and knowledge permeate. And may everyone see who they are in this body and the value they have in this mission that you've placed upon this church. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.